0: Who is Simon Peter's father? Now, this may seem like a very particular question, but we have two competing accounts. In Matthew 16, 13 through uh, 20, we have Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Christ. And then when Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Okay, so his father's name is Jonah, Right. Well, if we go to John 21, we have uh, Jesus and Peter. This is after the resurrection when Jesus appears to Peter and John. And we have, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Jesus calls him Simon, son of John three times. Okay. Yeah. It's a small thing. Jonah, John, you know, I mean, they're close, right? Uh, No, they're actually not. in Hebrew means graced by Yah. It's uh, Yohanan. Uh, whereas Jonah comes from Yonah, which actually means dove or pigeon. And Yonah is the name of the Old Testament prophet Jonah. Okay, so why does this matter? Is it Simon Peter's dad, is his name John? Or is it Jonah? Or is, did Jesus just make a slip up? Or did Matthew make a slip up in Matthew 16? So let's go back to Matthew 16 briefly. And if you're a Roman Catholic, you've probably heard this a million times, but maybe didn't think why Jesus decides to call Simon son of Jonah. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Okay. So first the question of who do people say that the son of man is? The son of man refers back to the prophecies of Daniel seven. I still have not made an episode on those prophecies. I'm planning on doing it very soon. Um, It's an extremely important prophecy. We've briefly touched on it before that the son of man is this messianic figure that universal kingdom is given to universal dominion, basically all the dominion that God naturally has. So it's a big deal. So when he asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? So what are their guesses as to who's going to fulfill Daniel's prophecy of universal kingdom? So, And then they say, some say John the Baptist, right? Because he's this great prophet. Others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah are one of the prophets. The idea is that they would be resurrected. Elijah was taken up in a, a chariot of fire into heaven. And so the idea is Elijah's going to come back and he's going to be the prophet that rules over all of Israel. But then Jesus says to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Huge. So basically, that Peter's saying, You are the Son of Man. You know, people are saying it's John the Baptist or all these other people, but we believe that you are the Son of Man. You are the Son of the Living God. So. When Peter says, you are Simon, sorry, you are son of the living God, then Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. So if we're taking John 21 to be correct, that Simon Peter's real father is named John, and by other accounts, it's actually John, why does he call him Simon, son of Jonah? Okay, we have to go back to two places, Matthew 12, verse 38 onwards, and then earlier in Matthew 16. So in Matthew 12, verse 38, we have the scribes and the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered them, An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, uh, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah, and see something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon, and see something greater than Solomon is here. So the scribes and the Pharisees already in Matthew twelve have been just trying to destroy Jesus, trying to trap him, and so now they're saying, "Oh, teacher, give us a sign," as if he's not been working signs for like the last like five chapters. And he says, an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign. So basically saying, hey, God, you work according to my, you know, you prove yourself to me, not the opposite, right? <laughs> or I'm trying to prove myself to you. So and then he has this weird phrase, no sign is given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so three days and three nights, the son of man will be in the heart of the earth. So what is this prophecy in Jonah? Okay, if you remember... uh. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament. It's a very short story. Uh, It's not very wordy. It it gets right to the point. So we have uh, the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, go at once to Nineveh, the great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish and he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Okay. So a few notes on the book of Jonah. Nineveh. What is Nineveh? Okay, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian empire. And if you remember from our previous uh, discussion of it, the Assyrians were set to invade and destroy and deport the Israelites. So they were right on the doorstep of Israel, ready to conquer it. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and says, "Go to Nineveh, that great city, and and tell it to repent for their wickedness has come before me." So what does Jonah do? He gets on a boat and goes the exact opposite direction. <laughs> Joppa is like, you know, on the right on the coast. It's modern day Tel Aviv is Joppa. And so Jonah gets on the boat and he's out because why? Because he knows, That God is merciful, and if he preaches to the Ninevites, then they're going to be saved. So he goes around, he goes away. Then we have Jonah fast asleep in the hold of the ship, and you have this great storm that comes up. This actually gets recapitulated in in the Gospels when Jesus is in the ship and he's asleep. And uh, so call upon your God, maybe he can save us. They throw him outside of the ship, and God provided a large fish or a whale or a beast whatever we don't know exactly what it was to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights. Okay, a lot of times you'll see images of the book of Jonah where Jonah's like hanging out and things are fine, he like brought his lawn chair, he's got you know some some buds next to him and he's just chilling in the belly of the whale. That is not the image that happens in Jonah 2. Jonah uh, dies and you can see it in, in Jonah too. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Hades. I cried and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah upon the dry land. Okay, it's very clear from Jonah 2 that Jonah did not just get swallowed up and was chilling out in this huge fish. He died. And he went to the belly of Sheol, which is the abode of the dead. He says, I am driven away from your sight. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. So Jonah dies in the belly of the whale, and in three days, he's resurrected, which is pretty amazing. So he goes and he preaches to Nineveh and he cries out saying 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he uh he doesn't tell them to repent. He just says God's going to bring destruction upon you. <laughs> He's still kind of hoping that they don't repent. He's just like you know, 40 more days and you'll be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believe God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. Even the king himself said by decree of the king and his nobles no human being shall taste anything. Uh, who knows? God may relent and change His mind. He may turn from His fierce anger so that we do not perish. So, even <laughs> another kind of subtle thing in Jonah three. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he doesn't proclaim to them, "Hey guys, repent! You know, you're going to be destroyed if you don't repent of your wickedness." No, he just he shows up and he says, "Okay, hey, I'm 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 from the Lord God. You guys are going to be destroyed in 40 days." There's no like. It's very. You know It's not conditional (laughs) for Jonah, but the people take it as we're going to be destroyed for our wickedness. So we're going to proclaim a general fast. And the king says, who knows, maybe God will relent from his fierce anger. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah and he became angry. Well, of course, because if God would kill the Assyrians, well, then the Assyrians wouldn't, you know, destroy the Israelites. That's that's the idea. Um, and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was still in my country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishment. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And so Jonah went out of the city and he just basically sits under this bush. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a plant tree thing. And he just sits there and he's just waiting to die. And God won't let him die, basically. you know, The sun rose up and um, Jonah says, it's better for me to die than live. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals. End of story. This is, um, it's a whirlwind of like, only in scripture are you gonna find stories like this where, I mean, imagine if your greatest enemy is at your doorstep and you tell this story of a prophet who goes and proclaims, um, repentance and they repent and God is merciful upon your number one enemy. who's about to deport you. I mean, it's, yeah, the humility, like anyways. Uh, so Jonah wants to die because he realizes, well, my mission's been fulfilled and now the Assyrians are going to kill us. So if we go back to Matthew 12, so that's the story of Jonah. And we have the scribes and the Pharisees saying, you know, we want a sign from you and he answered him, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster. Excuse me. So for three days and three nights, the son of man will be in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemned it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah is here. Right, right. So... <clears throat> the pharisees and this evil and adulterous generation are not believing christ and they're trying to destroy him at every step and because of that the men of nineveh will rise up and condemn them and just as jonah was 3 days and 3 nights in the belly of the whale so christ is showing that his death is is you know it's going to end in his resurrection which is going to unleash even more power and you can see this in Acts of the Apostles when you have the 3,000 are baptized after Peter's preaching. What he does is he preaches about the resurrection, and it's the resurrection that brings that repentance, and uh, and also that the resurrection that brings the judgment upon unbelieving uh, Jerusalem. Okay, if we move back to Matthew 16... Uh, Matthew 16 verse 1, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So same thing, Matthew 12 and Matthew 16 verse 1. Jesus answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. So the resurrection being this greatest sign that even though the Pharisees and Sadducees end up corroborating with Pilate and with Herod to put Jesus to death, they can't keep him um, dead. (laughs) That's the sign that they get. Now, when we go back to Matthew 16, I think we get a richer account. So when Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. It's not because Jonah is Peter's uh, is Simon Peter's father's name? It's because what what Peter's just done in declaring Christ to be the Son of God, he has received this primacy from Christ to be the first son, a kind of primary son, because now he's the Simon son of Jonah. He's the son of this prophet who's going to die and be resurrected. Um, and so Christ is making him His own son, and what <laughs> what do you what does a father do with his son? But he names him. You know, it's it's like naming the son is one of the prerogatives of the father, and so it makes sense that he says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, my son." You know, I am representing of of Jonah, and now you're my son. Uh, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This paternity of the father, and now. Jesus being the father over Peter. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And notice the gates of hell also playing back to Jonah. Remember the bars I've I've sunken into the pit in in Jonah 2, where the bars, uh, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord, my God. So the gates of hell will not prevail against you that this kind of, um, that, you know, the resurrection is going to be offered to all men through Christ. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it that you can't be kept, you know, Jonah, like Jonah's not going to be kept in the belly of the whale dead forever. But the bars are going to be open for him in the resurrection. Same with Peter here. The gates of Hades will not prevail against you. And uh, just a little bit later, you know, uh, Peter forsakes this. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. So Peter just got this like, he's on a super high, man. He just got called son of Jonah you know, he's been given the keys of the kingdom. I, I want to do even a separate episode on keys of the kingdom because there's tons of Davidic symbol s- symbolism there uh, of the prime minister and all this in the kingdom. I, I wanted to focus on this part in Jonah and the resurrection. So when Jesus says that the suffering and dying is going to come before this resurrection, Peter is not understanding and he just got given the primacy. So he's like, Lord, come on, you can't go out and die against your you know, by your enemies. God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. For you have set your mind, not on divine things, but on human things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he just got called son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. You are Peter on this rock. And when he tries to stop the death and resurrection of Christ, he's thinking, like Satan. You're thinking of the ways of men and not as the ways of God. And this is going to set up this, this drama that's going to progressively reveal itself all the way up until the cross of Christ. Um. So maybe this is one of those exercises in, if you see something like Simon, son of Jonah, and you're like, why would he call him son of Jonah? It's, you know, Christ isn't wasting words or he's not forgetful like, oh, well, I forgot his his actual dad's name is John. He's trying to draw the symbolism from the Old Testament to show that what he's doing is, is being fulfilled. So that's going to wrap it up for this one, and I'll see you in the next.